this morning, as a minister, you've got to work with me, okay? Amen. Yeah, you see, Ronaldo's working with me. God must work with me. Yeah, that's a lot better. Don't leave me out here hanging. Amen. The word I have for you this morning is, I had two titles in mind. So you know what I summa did? I gave a title with a hashtag. You know what I'm saying? You know what I'm saying? You know what I'm saying? But this morning's message is called ambassadors. Hashtag, it's on you. So look at your neighbor and say, it's on you. Look at your other neighbor and say, it's on you. Amen and amen. We're extremely blessed as a generation. Extremely blessed. We are, we are privy to revelation and understanding that not many have been. We privilege even in this house, purely for the fact that the apostle of this house and uh, Pastor Z, their pursuit has always been for the truth of the word of God. Amen. It's always been for to give an understanding to a generation that is pure, that is truth, and that is relevant in terms of not just trying to be relevant to the current trends of the world, but relevant in terms of what God is saying for this generation. Because in every generation, God is a word. And God builds revelation upon revelation. Not everything is just given as once. It's even seen throughout the word of God. Jesus, who is the word, amen. His coming was released in Genesis chapter 3. Where God says, my seed will crush your head. He says to Satan, in the God, he says, my seed is coming. The seed is with the capital S. And it refers to Jesus, the word being made flesh. Amen. But it takes 2,000 years for that revelation to unfold in its fullness. Are you with me? That's why Cain killed Abel. The devil thought maybe this one is the one. Maybe this one is the seed. And he came to kill in the next, very next generation, but he did not realize that God was building it piece by piece. God was doing it meticulously. Why? So that when Christ came, there would be no misconception, no misunderstanding, and no confusion with regards to who he is. Because when you look at the Old Testament and everything in the Old Testament, the Bible says the old is the type and the shadow of the new. It was showing us what's to come. I don't know if I have a shadow up in here, but you can see my shadows over there. Amen. You with me? You might not be able to see, but I'm telling you the truth. Look down, you'll see your own shadow. You see your shadow? Is that you? Is that you? But it's saying that you there. So when you look at the old, it's not necessarily him, but it's saying that he's there. So when you look at the old, it gives proof to the fact that when Jesus came, that this one is really the Messiah because there's nothing missing on this side in terms of when I look in the shadow. Are you with me this morning? So God meticulously will build revelation upon revelation. He'll give word upon word. He'll give truth upon truth and not just throw everything to the wind because nine times out of ten, we wouldn't be able to handle it. Are you with me this morning? And the reason why I'm saying this to you is because we are privileged in the point where we're sitting as a generation. Because of what we know. Because of what we understand. Because the spiritual intelligence that we can claim access to. 
because of revelation that has been given season upon season, dispensation upon dispensation. And we're sitting in a real privileged place as a real blessed generation. We're sitting in a position where we have access to revelation and understanding that others never ever had before. Even if you read in the book of Hebrews, it says that they were speaking about something that they were never going to see. So we sitting in a, in a privileged position, and I want to labor this point because I want you to understand that us being positioned here was not by our own choice. It was not by our own choice. Go to John chapter 15 verse 16. I'm just laying a foundation before I really start. John chapter 56, he says, you did not choose me, this is Jesus. He said, you know, I found the Lord, he was not lost. He was not lost. You and I, we were. And it was just on that very day that we heard a word. And that somehow, there was a connection in our hearts to say, I believe this that is being preached here today. Because he even gave you the faith to believe, the faith that you did not have and the faith that does not come from you. The Bible says he's given you the measure of faith. That means the faith that you needed to believe that he's the Savior didn't even come from you. It came from him. So on that day, when you connected with Christ, you did not choose him. But he chose you and appointed you to bear fruit. Say, I'm chose. Look at your neighbor. Say, I'm chose. God chose me. And with that comes responsibility. You see, because generation upon generation has passed, dispensation upon dispensation has passed. You saw the Azusa revival and what happened. I think it was more than 100 years ago. Then you had Otto Roberts come out and he preached about the love of God and the healing power of God. He built a school and you see how God came and we, we knew that God actually loved us. That we're actually the righteousness of God. And we understood the fullness of what the cross had created. And then you go to the next phase and you see how Papa Hagen came out and he dealt with faith. Some people say that they, some people that heard Papa Hagen preach thought that he wrote Mark chapter 4 verse 11 I think it is it says you know, um, it's the faith scripture I'm not going to get into that now but some people thought that that was his statement some people thought because he always preached from it always not Mark 4 11 sorry it's Mark 4 21 I think but he came with the faith message then you had uh, Kenneth Copeland come with the new with also the added on to the faith message and they started to tap into the kingdom and prosperity and healing and then you had dr bullwins and you have dr miles Miller. they came with the message of the kingdom are you with me dr bill winston faith in the kingdom dr miles Monroe, just a complete understanding of the kingdom like i don't even know and then you have apostle maxwell holland that God is creating and forming a revelation on the inside of him that is a word for this generation. You see, because every person that is called to be an apostle or a prophet to their generation, they are divinely ordained custodians of the revelation that is needed for that generation to be set free and to thrive in the world that they live in. The reason why I'm sharing this with you is because we need to understand the context of who we are. We need to understand the context of who we are as a church. We need to understand the context of who we are as a people. You see, we live in an apostolic house. 
And an apostolic house is very different to every other kind of house. Now I'm not saying, and this is what I want to get, I'm not saying it in an arrogant way to say that we're so special that God is only speaking to us. No, it's happening all over the world in pockets and pieces, but it's happening where people and leaders are determined to get into the flow of what God is doing in the season. They're not stepping back and looking at old methodologies, religious, religious traditions and saying, you know what, I'm not going to step away from that thing which I've known for 30, 40 years, but I'm going to flow with God in the next season and I'm going to go where God is saying we should go. So even you see now the birthing and, and the establishment of the apostolic movement. And people are rejecting it like crazy. Saying, no, there was only 12 apostles in the time of Jesus. Well, if there was only 12 and Judas killed himself first and foremost, why did they appoint another one called Matthias? Why was Paul called an apostle? The 70 that he sent out, why did he send that 70 with the same anointing? And if you go back to the Greek, you'll see the same word that he speaks of when he says sin is apostolos. It's speaking of an apostolic movement. So the apostolic movement, yes, hear me, in the light of the church and in what's happened over the ages, men have tried to subdue the message by extracting truth in the definitions of what was supposed to come our way. Are you with me? So they did not divine, de define it in its completeness. They gave people pieces. Are you with me? In order to stifle their understanding and their revelation so that they don't flow in the thing that God has got for them. And it's taken so many years for God to build us back up to this point of where we're sitting right now. And the word that we're receiving right now, the understanding that we're receiving right now, is not to tickle our fancy or to supply some sort of sensation to our curiosity. But the purpose of the revelation is to be custodians of it so that you can hand it down to the next generation so that they can be set free. Are you with me this morning? Go to Matthew chapter 16, verse 17. We have the opportunity as a generation to create the greatest move of God ever seen in the earth. Hear me? We do. We do. We really do. We have the opportunity to create the greatest move. And I, let me not say create. Because God's moved already more than 2,000 years ago. So He's not really creating anything new. When there is a move of God, it's not that you're asking God for a move. The move is already there. Are you with me? There's already a flow. It's for us to get into the flow. That's why I love that song this morning. Yes, you, you know, I gotta be where you are. Yes, theologically speaking, Christ is wherever you are because why He's in you and you are in Him. Amen. But He's not moving everywhere. In seasons and in moments and in times and in generations, God is moving a certain way. And we've got to be where He is moving. Are you with me? We've got to be moving where He's moving. We've got to be flowing where He's flowing. Because why? It's not The outcome is not just that you're going to experience a challenge in your life. But the outcome is that the generation will be lost and have to wait another generation. For somebody to stand up and say, I'm going to take this word. I'm going to take this revelation and I'm going to do what God has said we must do. Amen. So we're sitting in a position where we can be a part of the most powerful move of God ever seen in the earth. Greater than all the revivals that have happened before us. Greater than all the awakenings that has happened before us. 
Why? Because of the revelation and the understanding that God is dropping in our generation. Let's go to Matthew chapter 16. And, and this morning, really the word that I want to share with you this morning, uh, I'm going to give a lot of context and a lot of understanding and a lot of teaching purely for the fact that when those things are misconstrued or when there's misunderstandings that we're functioning under, especially I'm speaking to us as a house, when those things are misunderstood and misconstrued, it becomes a problem for our functionality. Are you with me? Because even though you love Jesus, there are many people sitting in church all over South Africa this morning and most of Africa that's in the same timeline. And very few of them are actually sitting there not loving God. A lot of them love Him. But they've been given an understanding of religious traditions that is keeping them bound wherever they're sitting and positioned. It's not that they want it that way, it's that they've been given it that way. Yet we sit with the liberty and the freedom of having an understanding that very few have globally. Amen. Matthew chapter 16 verse 17 to 19. So this is where Jesus asks and he says, and I've preached from here a few times before. He says, he says, who do men say that I am? And they say, oh no, some say you're the prophet, some say Elijah, some say this. He says, okay, but who do you say I am? And then Simon stands up, Simon Peter stands up and he says, you are the Christ. And Jesus responds, go back. No, no, go ahead. Jesus responds, Jesus answered and said to him, Blessed are you, Simon Bar-Jonah, for flesh and blood is not revealed this to you, but my Father, who is in heaven, stay there. Blessed are you, kingdom, life, embassy. Because the revelation and the understanding you're sitting under flesh and blood is not revealed it to you, but the Father in heaven. So say you're blessed. But with that blessing comes responsibility. Because to whom much is given, Jesus said, much is required. He said, Jesus said, said Blessed to you, Simon Barjona, for flesh and blood is not revealed this to you, but my Father who is in heaven. And I also say to you that you are beaten upon this rock. I, yeah, I just want to stick with this. He says, I will build my church, and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. And I will give you the keys of the kingdom of heaven. Whatever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven. Whatever you loose on earth will be loosed in heaven. Go back to the verse before this. He says, I will build my church. And I don't want to go into the depth of all of that. But I just want to stick with the word church this morning. The word church comes from the Greek word ekklesia. And ekklesia means a local governmental assembly. Are you with me? It speaks of government. Now, when King James came into power and he, had to con and he they gave him uh, the mandate to translate the Bible, he gave him, the, I don't know how many keys he gave him, but one of the things he said, don't let that word be ecclesia. Change it. And the word church that we function under, that we've built our doctrine under, is the word kirch. It's a German word which means this place or house of worship. Jesus never thought of a house of worship when he said the word ecclesia. It was not a part of his thinking when he said that word. Ooh. Jesus, I bind every religious spirit in the name of Jesus. I come against you, foul spirit. We will walk in the liberty of the word. Amen. 
the word ecclesia meant local governmental assembly and in the time that Jesus was living in it meant when people in a community or a city a people a group that had the ability to vote the men that were unfortunately was that time don't worry it's a culture thing but it was the men of the time that had that were age appropriate to vote they would come together in the gate of the city and they would legislate they would come together and and set in laws set the culture set the place in order according to their legislation as a people so when they came together they weren't singing songs or singing hymns they were legislating it was governmental and the time that Jesus came in, you had ecclesias all over. Why? Because Rome, as an empire, had Caesar sitting in Rome and had ecclesias all over. So even when you come to Jerusalem and Israel and you see Pontius Pilate and Herod and all of them there, they were extensions of Rome with the key mandate to colonize that place as an ecclesia. Think about it. Their laws governed Israel even though they had the word. That's why when Jesus came into trouble, well, they first took him to Herod, and they took him to Pontius Pilate, or they took him to them. And they said, listen here, you deal with this man. He says, no, no, bring him to us. You deal with him within your laws. They said, no, deal with him within your law. They wanted him crucified. They had to show that Jesus violated their law, not the law of the scripture. Are you with me? Why? Because the law of the scripture was not the law that was over Israel at the time. It was an ecclesia under the rule and the government of the Roman Empire. So they said, no, he's saying he's another king. That means he's coming up against who? Not God. He's coming up against Caesar. So surely he's violating your law because as an ecclesia, as a local governmental assembly over us, your law says that this man must be killed. Are you with me? So when Jesus said the word ecclesia, he was speaking about a governmental assembly in accordance with the word that he preached. What did Jesus preach? He preached the gospel of the kingdom. Go and look what Jesus preached. He mentioned salvation once. But the kingdom he speaks on all the time. Why? Because he came to give them the message. The good news of a new system. A new government that had in its own economy. Its own healthcare system. Its own provision. It came with freedom, liberty and justice. In accordance to the king of kings and the lord of lords. So when Jesus said ecclesia. He was saying this is an outpost of the kingdom of heaven. And that's why the gates of hell cannot prevail against it. Because it's not man-made. It's heaven-sent. An ecclesia is God's design. It's an outpost that God establishes that is supposed to legislate accordingly. That's why if you go to verse 19, put it in the Amplified. It says, I'll give you the keys of the kingdom of what? Of heaven. I'll give you the keys, the authority associated with the government from where we come. Not the place of worship. Yes, we worship. There's nothing wrong with worship. Are you with me this morning? Stay with me this morning. 
He says, I will give you the keys of the kingdom of you. Know, whatever you bind, listen, declare to be improper and what? Unlawful. It was legal terminology he was using. He says, on earth must be what is already bound away. In heaven, they couldn't hear me. In the Roman Empire, they could not come with their own laws and enforce their own things. Caesar would take them out. They had to produce everything in accordance with Rome. You don't change it. You can't change the Bible. You can't change the legislation. Marriage is between man and woman. You can't change it. Now in your own system, you can try and change what you want to change. But in accordance with the kingdom of God and the government that I come from, it don't work like that. So you can't change it to appease people. When you come as an ecclesia, it is done this way. And you can only bind that which is unlawful there. You can only lose that which is unlawful there. Sickness is unlawful in heaven. Poverty is unlawful in heaven. Depression is unlawful in heaven. Mental instability is unlawful in heaven. Fear, doubt, unbelief is unlawful in heaven. Therefore, I'm going to bind the work of the enemy and I'm going to lose the provision and the purposes of heaven in my generation. So when you said you're going to church this morning, where did you go? Look at your neighbor and say, where did you go? I, I just came to worship the Lord. Hear me, please, please hear me. There's <laughs> nothing wrong with it. Nothing wrong with it. But this is only one moment of the day in a week that we come together. What should be happening in the ecclesia for the rest of the week? We're not called to have some religious experience. Tick a box and say, I went to church. Oh, oh, the, the, ah, the message of the pastor made me feel so nice. But you're still bound. Still stuck in bondage. Still sitting with sickness. Still sitting with that mess. But the message only me tell you the devil is a liar. You see, you want to redefine the name of the church so that you don't have an understanding of the power of God that is in this place when we come together. That's why I say it when two, what does it mean? When two or three are gathered in my name, there I am in the midst of them. Why? Because we are local governmental assembly. <laughs> he says, when two shall agree on touching anything, it shall be done by my Father in heaven. When we touch and agree on the laws of the kingdom of God, it must come to pass. So let's take it a step further. If we say that church is ecclesia and we're defining it according to Jesus' plan, not ours, no man-made plan, but Jesus' plan of what he envisioned and what he saw, then an apostle is not a religious leader. But a governmental agent. Yes, yes, yes. 
A pastor is not a religious leader, but a governmental agent. <laughs> Can you feel it? The devil is a liar. Nothing that's in scripture that pertains to the church is anywhere near any form of religion. It's only governmental. When we gather, it's governmental. When we pray, it's governmental. When we speak, it's governmental. The Bible says, You shall decide to decree a thing, and the favor of God's way will, what? And the light of God's favor shall establish it. I want to read this from uh, Pastor Rick Rainer. He's heavily schooled in the Greek. I didn't have time to go study the Greek before my sermon this morning to give you the full understanding of what's happening. You know what I'm saying? You know what I'm saying? So I can just tap into His grace this morning. But I want you to understand, when we're dealing with the word apostle and apostolos, I want to give you the definition. The reason why I'm saying this to you, family and church this morning, because I want you to have an understanding of who we are. Are you with me? We live in this in this church. This is who we are. We have an apostolic leader. We're dealing with the kingdom of God. God is, you know, I don't even think apostle knew what God meant when he said right in the beginning when he was praying, God, what do you want from me? What do you want from me? God said, no, to you it has been given to know the mysteries of the kingdom. He didn't have a clue at that point. He was thinking, why are you giving me this word? Change it. You know what I'm saying? Give me a nicer word. Little did he know the depth of what God was doing on the inside of him to release this word to this generation. So if we don't understand it, hear me. We can come week in, week out with no power, no change, no influence, and no difference in our lives. So listen to this. It says, by the time of the New Testament, the word apostolos was already an old word with quite a lengthy history. So its origin was not religion or based upon a place of worship. The same for the word ecclesia, just so by the way. Apostolos was already an old word, quite lengthy in history. It carried many shades of meaning, all of which overlapped each other and were interrelated as we have seen. So when people in the early church, the early ecclesia, heard of the, or read the word apostle, it is likely that they understood an apostle to be a person who was specially selected, commissioned, and sent by the Lord to represent him for the purposes of the kingdom. Listen, to build up, to draw forth, to speak out, to align, to govern, to strengthen, and establish his church as a unique agent in the earth. Not so that you can have a counseling session. Why wasn't he available when I needed to see him? Early believers were also probably aware that the apostle was a pioneer and a chief overseer responsible for opening, listen to this, for opening up new territory, both physically and spiritually for kingdom purposes. They would have known him as one who provided passage from one spiritual dimension to another as he took a church and ecclesia to new levels in its spiritual growth that he could never reach apart from an apostolic anointing. 
now you can understand why the enemy did not want the apostle in a house why people you know when apostle said he was dealing with the apostolic one of his bible school teachers i'm not going to mention any names but somebody that was seasoned in the word came and said that this is not scriptural now remember they were given a degree of revelation for their generation but we have to take the baton and build on from what they know are you with me we build truth upon truth are you with me if we stay and stagnate with the same revelation of the last season the change that were prevalent in the last generation are going to be prevalent and more so in the next generation so we have a responsibility he says believers recognize the apostle as one who had the anointing authority and spiritual backing to get things accomplished for furtherance of god's purposes he wasn't just the implementer of pragmatic ideas and strategies rather a true apostle carried within him supernatural insight and revelation that was vital for the growth and the building of the church the ecclesia the governmental assembly so there were three definitions that he dealt with number one the apostolos was known as the admiral of a fleet of ships during the times of ancient greek the ancient greek orator orator blah 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 blah, blah during that time 384 to 322 bc the word apostolos was a naval term that described an admiral the fleet of ships that traveled with him and the specialized crew who accompanied and assisted the admiral listen to that apostolos meant all of it it meant the admiral the fleet of ships that traveled with him and the specialized crew say i'm a specialized crew specialized crew traveling with him the fleet would be sent out to sea on a mission to locate territories where civilization was non-existent once an uncivilized region was identified the admiral called the apostolos along with his specialized crew and all their cargo and belongings would disembark settle down and work as a team to establish a new community then they would begin the process of transforming a strange land into a replica of life as they believed it should be <laughs> their purpose was total colonization of an uncivilized territory so when an apostle comes into a region and into a place he comes with what with cargo number one he comes with the resources backed by heaven full of resources full of the grace that is needed to transform that place and make it like it's supposed to look like heaven on earth he has a specialized crew specialized people handpicked by the chief himself god most high aligning you with the apostolic movement that is taking place in the earth that's why you here you might have thought, ah, I like this church because you know they've got a good word. The pastor's nice and relevant in his word. You know what I'm saying? Oh, I like that cook sisters after church. You know what I'm saying? You might have thought you came here for whatever you thought you came here. But the reason why you're here is because you've been handpicked by God to be a specialized crew to do what God has called us to do in this region, in this city, and in this nation. The 
the fleet would be sent out to sea and the mission okay we did that within the special fleet of ships were both the personnel and the cargo required to establish a new culture a new life and a new community when the fleet pulled up to shore it contained workers trained listen to this to build roads construct buildings teach uncivilized natives how to read write and function in a new kind of social order thus the admiral became the team leader for the construction of a new society so when you hear an apostle if you're seeing somebody that must give you a nice word on a sunday you've missed it if you sing somebody that's going to marry you and bury you, then you've missed it. Somebody who's going to dedicate, you know, if Apostle Max is not there to dedicate my child, I'm not dedicating my child. What's that going to do with building a new civilization and a new society? <laughs> What's that going to do with taking over territories for the kingdom of God? What's that going to do with us establishing what God wants in the earth? You know when apostle changed it was years ago man he said okay i'm just i'm gonna put somebody in because everybody just coming from meetings every time all the time every day he said i'm gonna put somebody in charge you can actually phone somebody else you're not gonna phone me anymore he changed his number he said you're not gonna phone me anymore you're gonna phone this person and this person is gonna set up the time for you to meet me people got offended and walked away they had no idea the apostolic call upon their lives but they walked away because it was not based upon the old model that they wanted to keep in their presence you see you can miss your day of visitation through ignorance or refusal to change if you hold on to those religious beliefs it's going to keep you bound in this generation it's time to break stuff from our lives it's time to kick that door down it's time to break that limitation so that you can walk in what god has called you to walk in hear me you've been chose the admiral has already said that once the job was completed a majority of the team members got back on the ships and launched out to sea again to find another uncivilized area and repeat the entire colonization process all over again thus we find the word apostolic described as an admiral or team leader who led a team to establish new communities in uncivilized in uncivilized uh, territories listen to me the embassy what does apostle always say it's only headquarters and once we get it right here, we're going to do what? We're going to duplicate. Why? Because we must be taking over all over the world. Once it's done here, there should be a team that we can say, okay, guys, the Lord is saying the kingdom needs to come in wherever else. And we should be able to go from here, go there with the cargo and the specialized crew and establish what needs to be established for that civilization that community that city that children that youth that young adults those marriages those men and those women to change and come into kingdom order in jesus name so number one is an admiral number two another definition was a passport or travel document 
the word apostolos was also closely associated with the idea of traveling that it eventually became synonymous with a passport or a travel document if a person wanted to exit a country he had to possess a travel document that was essentially an exit visa or a passport this legal document was called an apostolos the same word translated apostle this document guaranteed the right of passage and the ability to move freely from one place to another when the word apostolos was applied into the early new testament apostle it implied that an apostle listen was a spiritual passport you need to get to where you need to go you've got a destiny you've got a destination you've got a destination you've got an outcome with god you've got an end game with jesus but you need a passport to get from where you are to get to where you need to be you need an apostolos you need an apostolic anointing to break you free from the boundaries and the limitations that you've been sitting under to go to the place that god has called you to go so that when you get there you create the new social order It implied that an apostle was a spiritual passport, that he gave believers the right of passage into heaven realms, into deeper spiritual truths. One can certainly see that those who were under the apostleship of Paul were taken into realms of revelation that they could never have attained on their own. His ministry was a spiritual passport that gave them the right of passage into spiritual revelation. You see, when you tap into the apostolic, when you tap into your apostle, God will give you revelation and spiritual passage into places that you never ever could have dreamed of before. That's why revelation is passed on from one generation to the next generation. No revelation that we're receiving now is brand new. It's built upon something that was given by somebody else. Because somebody else had to open the passageway. Somebody else had to create a, a gap from here into that realm. Are you with me? And it comes because the apostolic anointing. Now do you understand that when this is missing from the church, the ecclesia, how you can never, you can never thrive the way you're supposed to. You can touch the glory in glimpses. We can get pieces of what God has ordained, but we can never come into the fullness because we don't understand the fullness. I'm not saying we're going to know everything in our generation, but we know uh, heck of a lot more than the ones before so we should have a greater demonstration than ever before ever seen on this earth because of what God has given us it should be noted that any person who operates in genuine apostolic calling will lead people into new spiritual realities I need to move it's not a religious gift it's not about having some sort of priest here to bless you. It's about understanding the weight of what God is doing in our generation. Are you with me? That when you came in here, you were called by God. Come on. You were called by God. It is on you as a generation. It is on you as a people. I need to move. The last one. Was an air break. Last one. An ambassador. An apostolos also means an ambassador. 
The word apostle also described the person who had the authority to act much the same way an ambassador represents his government to another government. This classical and secular meaning of the word apostle meant an envoy sent to do business on behalf of the one who sent him. Thus, a governmental apostle served as a personal representative, emissary, messenger, agent, diplomat, ambassador, or charge of the affairs of another place. This person officially possessed the clout and influence to speak and act in the place of the one who sent him on his assignment. So when the ambassador, Apostolo, spoke, his words were counted as the words of his sender. When the apostolos acted, his actions were interpreted as those of his sender. What did Jesus say? He said, the Bible says he's the chief apostle. He says, what, whatever he says to do, I do. I only do what they say there. I don't do my own thing. Even Jesus, the Christ, the Messiah, didn't do his own thing. He could only do what they set up there to do. When the apostolos, the connection between the sender and the person who was sent was almost inseparable. This reveals the New Testament apostles' position to speak and act on behalf of the Lord. This is a governmental position within the body of Christ. And as such, an apostolic ministry gift should be received with one of great spiritual cloud and the backing of heaven. It is very important for you to understand this truth and its powerful implications. You see, when a genuine, genuine apostle ministers, he is authorized by heaven not only to lead you into new spiritual realities, but also to help mobilize you into position to fulfill your unique function in the body of Christ. It's to mobilize you. It's to mobilize you. It's to mobilize you. Hear me. There's territories. There's terrains. There's, there's places. There's spheres of influences. There's industries that you are called to reach for the kingdom of God. But you can only be mobilized through an, apost through an apostolic anointing. Are you with me? That's why God's giving it to us this way. I'm going to end with this. Now that I've said all of that, it was to say this. Are you with me? Let me just touch on those two things quickly. Firstly, when you deal with an ambassador, number one, an ambassador is a representative of the country where he comes from. Are you with me? Because the Bible says in 2 Corinthians, it says you are an ambassador for Christ. Are you with me? So you are one that has come as a representative. When you come into this place, isn't it so powerful that the name of this place is changed to the embassy? Do you know that an ambassador, if you go back to its original English teacher to share it's actually ambassador e-m-b-a-s-s whatever it's e-m it's not a-m because it was in relation to an embassy so when you say ambassador it's actually speaking about a people a specialized group that god is established in a place to raise you so that you can go and take over wherever God is a danger to take over. There's an apostolic anointing in this house, in this season, to release you and deploy you into the places, the spaces that God is a danger for you. But it comes with responsibility. I'm attaching that after. So just first, number one, if you're an ambassador, you must have what? It's your identity. You must be a representative. If you don't belong, you can't say you're an ambassador. You with me? I can't say I'm an ambassador for the United States. I'm not a representative. I'm not a citizen. Are you understanding me? 
So one is you must know who you are. That's why God shifts your identity through your salvation, through being born again. He says you're born again of the incorruptible seed of the word of God. You're given the same DNA as God. You are no longer a citizen from here. You are a heavenly citizen. In the book of Ephesians, I think it's chapter 2, it says, I'm not going to go to chapter 2 verse 19. It says, you now therefore you are no longer strangers and foreigners, but fellow citizens with the saints and the household of God. Philippians 3 verse 20 says, for our citizenship is where? In heaven. You no longer... South African. You are first a citizen of heaven. First and foremost a citizen of heaven. God changes everything about you through your salvation. Through the day that you chose Him as your Lord and Savior, He shifted everything about your life. The Bible says you are a new creation. Go to 2 Corinthians 5 or 17 quickly. It says, therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he's a new creation. The old uh, King James says, a new creature, not a modification. Not that golf mark one. You understand? That now you've got ribs and you've got branches and you've got a bigger pipe. And that's not a modification. A brand new Mercedes. Are you with me? No longer. You're not just the old that has been modified to look a little bit better. The Bible says you're a new creature. A new being completely and entirety. Your spirit man is no longer the old. There's nothing about you. That's why when God looks at you, he cannot see the old you. The Bible says he'll remember your sins no more, not because he chose to forget, but because he cannot see it inside of you anymore, because he can only see the Christ in you, because you're a new creature. Listen, all things are possible, all old things have become new, go. And, and all things are of God, who had reconciled us to himself by Jesus Christ, and had given us, who hath given us to the ministry of reconciliation. Next, to what? That God was in Christ reconciling the word unto himself, not imputing their trespasses unto them, and hath committed unto us the word of reconciliation. This is the one I want to get to go. Now then we are ambassadors for Christ. You see, when God shifted you, everything about you changed. Your citizenship changed. Your identity changed. And now you're an ambassador for Christ in the kingdom of God. Amen. Second is function. The definition of the word ambassador found in, 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 in the dictionary. It says, it's the minister of the highest rank employed by a prince or state at the court of another to manage the public concerns of his own prince. Are you with me? When they go into a place, they're managing the public concerns of the king. You're not on your own agenda or the agenda of that place. You're on the agenda of the king. Are you with me? A diplomatic agent of the highest rank accredited to a foreign government or sovereign as the resident representative of his or her own government. When you go into a place, it's not you. If you're an ambassador, it's all of heaven. It's all of heaven. Hear me? When you deploy through the apostolic anointing, it's all of heaven that's with you. An authorized representative of all messenger. Let's go to Mark chapter 16 and this is where I'm going to end. God's given the church, the ecclesia, and he gives the fivefold 
as governmental as a governmental agency to strategically go forth and claim territory for the kingdom of God. Apostle always says, he says, the church and the kingdom is not the same, but the church is the vehicle through which the kingdom moves. It's the outpost. This is the outpost. The embassy is the outpost from heaven. Assigned with a mandate to take over wherever we go. Are you with me? And each and every territory that God has assigned us through the apostolic anointing, when you get mobilized and deployed, is for purpose. Are you with me? So let's take a look at the Great Commission now. It says, Mark chapter 16, verse 15 to 18. It says, And he said to them, Go into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. He who believes and is baptized will be saved, but he who does not believe will be condemned. And these signs will follow those who believe. In my name they will cast out demons, they will speak with new tongues, they will take up serpents, and if they drink anything deadly, it will by no means hurt them. And they will hands on the sick and they will recover. Let's deal with the scripture. Keep it there. Go to Mark chapter 16 verse 15 and stay on 15. He first says go. This means advance. Are you with me? Go means movement. So when you come into the kingdom of God, nothing about your life is supposed to be stagnant or stationary. Everything about you is supposed to be moving. That's why when the apostle spoke on Wednesday, he said there's a flow, there's a move. So you need to go. If you're just coming to church to get something nice so you can stay the same and not change, there's no movement. But if you understand that every time I come and I connect with the embassy, whether it be a Sunday, whether it be any other day of the week, whenever I connect with the apostolic grace, the purpose of it is to deploy me. Are you with me? It's to grow you and deploy you. If you go to Galatians chapter 4, it says, it says, even though you are a son, even though you are from that place, Stay on the scripture, don't move. Even though you're from that place, you will still be treated as a slave even though you're the master of all. Why? Because when you refuse to grow up into your sonship, you can never be mandated to move. So the fact that the church is not going, it's not because, we, we, we not, it's not because uh, God doesn't want us to go, it's because we're not growing up. We're not maturing in the things of God. We're not maturing in kingdom understanding. We're not maturing in the stuff so that God can actually send us into the spheres and the places that he has assigned for us. So number one, he says, go. Number two, he says, into. That means you've got to go into another place. When you're on assignment, you go into the place. If you go from the kitchen into the lounge, you're in a different structure. You can't do the same things in the kitchen that you do in the... You're with me. You can't do the same things that you do in the kitchen in the lounge. Are you with me? You've got to transform that place. To be subject to the same ideology and the same culture that you had once in the kitchen. Are you understanding me? So when you go into another place, he says, go into. He says, when I'm going to raise you up. Because Jesus took three and a half years to raise them up. Are you with me? He raised them. He discipled them. Every single day they saw the manifestation, the miracles, the demonstration. Every single day. That was their schooling for three and a half years. And eventually says, now you're going to go. I don't want to go down all of that. Two strategies. One is evangelism. 
and one is influence and this is where I'm ending evangelism and influence are both strategies for kingdom advancement are you with me so when he says go into all the world he says preach the gospel to every creature are you with me he says and when they be saved they'll be baptized and they will save right so number one is evangelism evangelism brings you in are you with me it changes your identity the day you get saved everything about you change god puts everything that you need he puts it on you are you with me he puts it on you he loads you with everything that you could ever need because everything was finished on the cross every promise if you go into any promise in the word of god the bible says that promise is yes and amen it's fulfilled in christ jesus that means it's yes inside of me are you with me so he loads you completely so the day you get saved and the day you get called into the kingdom is only one step are you with me we have many people saved many people evangelized but not many trained for influence because you see influence if i says go into he says and go into what into all the world that word there is cosmos which means systems the enemy you see think about it you hear satanism right in pockets are you with me and we think that's where the devil is moving the devil is a liar he's created systems in the form of arts media government education family religion and business that actually controls the mind of a generation and even though they be saved they're still bound to the system So when you come into a church, old school church model, and this is nothing, I'm not judging nobody. I'm saying this because I believe that God is saying something to us. Are you with me? That that worked for the season that it worked and that gave birth to many things that we're experiencing now. Are you understanding me? But we've got to take it to the next step because God goes from glory to glory and from strength to strength. God's going to build. The Bible says that His kingdom will be on the move forever. So the next layer is influence. But influence you can only do when you go into a territory and change that territory. That's why you need an ecclesia and you need an apostolos anointing so that when you go into a place, you're going to convert that place for the kingdom of God. Here's the thing. When you influence a place, there's a thing I wrote down here, I want to say it. Let me not try to try to. Influence is the ability to cause a person or territory to buy into your convictions without using force, cruelty, or manipulation. It's the ability to compel men and systems to buy into your ideology of the kingdom. So when you go into a place and you're on assignment with an apostolic anointing as a specialized crew, filled with cargo into a territory it's to conform that territory and colonize it for the kingdom of god amen this is what you were called to do and god put everything that you could ever need to fulfill it he put it on you say it's on you but it's on you means two things one it's on you you can physically have it on you and number two the change you want to see in the next generation it's on you it's our responsibility 
Hear me. Look at your neighbor and now say it's on you. It's a bit heavier than when you said it before, no? But before it was like, it's on me, but now it's on you. It's on us. You see, our failure to work with the revelation in this generation is not going to be the loss of, how can I say? It's not going to be the loss of, of, of even just the simplicity of family or material things or expressions of the kingdom. It's going to be the loss of a generation. That's the magnitude of what's taking place in this house. I know it feels a little bit heavy, but it's on you in both ways. God would never have called you to this place if he did not believe that it is you. And don't look at your past, don't look at the people, don't look at where you were born, don't look at the place where you came from because God chose you before the foundation of the world was even formed. Before your mother and your father even thought of you, God already chose you. You were ordained to live in this time and in this moment and in this place. And yes, you privileged because there's a revelation that God has given us that is far beyond and way beyond where we ever were before. But that thing comes with the responsibility in our generation. Hear me. It comes with the responsibility in our generation. But the minute you take it up, the minute you take it up, if you go to verse 18 there, it says, I will give you authority. I will give you power. If you go to Matthew chapter 28, it says, I'm going to give you the power. Worship team, come up. He says, I'm going to give you the power. So you're not going because of your intellectual capacity or your business acumen or your marketplace understanding or your understanding of economics or your gift or your skill. You're going in the power of Almighty God that when I come into the territory, I'm loaded. I'm loaded with every provision and every form of power needed to take down whatever is needed. Hear me. An ambassador, when he goes into a place, as we have it in national governmental affairs, nine times out of ten they have an embassy and they're fine. Are you with me? There's no real issue. Because nobody's at war. When the war comes, it becomes a problem. And they'll send that ambassador home. When we come into a place, there's only two kingdoms. It's light and it's darkness. Hear me, when you come into a place, it's hostile everywhere you go. There is no place, no territory, no domain that you're going to go into that the devil's just going to lay down and say it's okay. No, our fight is not against flesh and blood, but against every principality and power. And he's given you the power and the authority to take over wherever you go. You see, when you assign, when you deploy into a place, it's very different than when you're walking by yourself. When you come into this church, this ecclesia, under the apostolos of Apostle Maxwell Holland, there's an anointing and there's a grace for you to take over wherever God has assigned for you to take over. It's a season to get up and get out of your chair. Get out of that place that you've been in all along. Get out of that limitations and the boundaries and the borders that the enemy trying to box you in and step into the grace of the season and walk into all that God has done for you. I see it breaking, honey. I see it breaking over your life in the season. I see you stepping into what God has called you to step into. I see you manifesting the kingdom wherever you go. I see it in the season. I see it over Kingdom Life Embassy. I see ambassadors being raised in this house. I see us taking over territories. I see us having dominion wherever we go. I see people submitted to the ideology of the kingdom in whichever place you go. 
I want to share just, I think it was last week. Two incidents happened in the same place at the studios. The one is a guy. He knows Apostle as well. He's a believer. And he came, he stood next to me. And he started talking to me about, you know, the grace of God. But I know his lifestyle. So I know he's using the grace to justify that thing. You know what I'm saying? And he spoke to me about 10 minutes on the grace. And I'm like, Lord, do I say something to this guy? And I supposed to say no. And you know, it was a religious spirit that you're using this thing to benefit you. So that you have a peace because of the things that you're doing. I think it was two days later, he spoke along. And then he just said, because he knows I'm a pastor. And then he eventually said, yeah, you know, Bryony, I must go. And I said, now it's cool, man, shop. I'll see you. Left. Two days later, I sat in a meeting with guys. No church. Somebody did them in. Financially and stuff like that, to the concept, whatever. I said, no, I'm going to help you. Spoke, said, you could divine, da, 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 da. When we stood up, I said, listen, I'm a pastor also. Can I pray for you? He just looked back. He says, you know, when you're in the situation we're in, we don't even think of praying. You know? And because he was in a situation that was, but they don't pray anyway. So, you know, sometimes when people hear your pastor, then they someone talk about church or them praying or them reading the Bible. You know what I'm saying? I'm used to it already. But I said, no, let's pray. And I prayed with him in the office with people that don't believe. And we prayed for them and ministered to them and they left. He said to me, Michelle, he says, Jovan, I've never been through something like this before. When he spoke to me afterwards, he was just like, I was just trying to say thank you, man. Thank you for taking the time. Thank you for praying for us and thank you just for being there to help us. It's easier for them to come under the ideology of the kingdom. Are you with me? Because they have no religious affiliation. That's the challenge that many people are facing in the times that we're living in. It's that the religions, the religious affiliations and traditions and perspectives and mindsets are binding them from getting free into the flow of what God wants to do. Not so in this house. Not so in this house. Not so in this house. Amen. It's a new season. It's a new day. It's a season of recompense. It's a season of taking over. It's a season of fruitfulness. It's a season of multiplication. It's a season of filling the earth. It's a season of subduing the enemy. And it's a season of having dominion. It's ordained in this governmental assembly. In Jesus' mighty name. Everybody standing this morning. shows you I mean this is this is 40 minutes 45 minutes of preaching and look how much I don't know about you but for me how much understanding comes by just getting the right understanding but here's the thing think of how many wrong things there are <laughs> that we were living under not knowing that's why when God is ordained for you to take over territory, it's that you take the revelation and you make that place like the kingdom. You breathe that revelation in that place. You come with power and demonstration. 
You see, because praying for them, I'm trusting God to do a miracle in their lives. Why? So that they can see the power of God is on demonstration. They can see that God made a way for them. They can see that God did this thing. When it looked like it was nothing, God made a way for you. Are you with me? When you're in your place, I'm not saying go into your place now and start, you, you know, you know what I'm saying? No, you're not going to have a place of worship now. You went to MTN and dancing, I'm not saying that. I'm saying that when you're in that place, you must be cognizant of what's happening around you. That somebody that's dealing with something, that's dealing with sickness, you know, what do we say? Ah, shame. No, I'm anointed. Come here. I'm an ambassador. Let me pray for your healing in Jesus' name. Are you with me? No, I'm dealing with this thing in my mind. Come here, come here, come here. Let me pray for you. Bah! You with me and the power of God comes and the curse is lifted from their family. Where do you think they're going to go? What do you think is the next thing they're going to say? Listen here, man. Where did that thing come from? How did you get to that place? How does this thing work? And you bring them in. And they will be willingly, yeah, they will willingly submit to you. Willingly come under your ideology. Willingly be influenced by you because they see the demonstration of the kingdom in action in your life. It's that season upon this house in Jesus' name. Amen. Every head bowed and eye closed online, just in a personal time with God. Hear me. The first step to being an ambassador, and the first step to stepping out into what God has for you, is you must know Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. You need to receive your salvation. You need to receive the Zoe life, the full life that Christ came to give you and change your citizenship to the citizenship of heaven. If that's if you say, Pastor B, I want this life. I want to be living in the fullness of what God has got for me. Then all you need to do is receive Jesus Christ. Or you say, Pastor B, I pray that prayer, but I feel so far from God in the season. The Bible says, draw near to me and he'll draw near to you. So for every single person here under the sound of my voice and for those online, if that's you, if you don't know Jesus Christ, your Lord and Savior, or you want to make right to him, you just want a fresh commitment with God today. Then if that's you, just lift your hand up in this place. Just quickly, just quickly be bold, lift your hand. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Now say this prayer with me and for those online. Say, Dear Lord Jesus, I believe with all my heart that you are the Son of God, that you died on the cross for the forgiveness of my sins. You rose again so that I can have life. Jesus, come into my heart, wash me, cleanse me of my sin, and make me brand new. Thank you, Jesus, for saving me. Amen and amen. Come on, clap your hands. If that's you, if you said the prayer and you meant it this morning, just meet with us after service here in the front. Or if it's you online, just DM us. We, DM us. We want to connect with you and just walk with you in the next season. Amen. Amen. You may be seated this morning for the offering. This is a governmental outpost. Are you with me? So when he says you must pay... He says, must we pay the tax? He says, what's on the coin? He says, no, Caesar's face. He says, okay, so give to Caesar what he Caesar's. Are you with me? The Bible speaks about the tithe and your offering. It speaks about the economy of heaven being seed time and harvest. Are you with me? When you look at this as a church, as a kitch, as a place of worship, it's hard for you to part with your money because where's the power to change your life? In a place of worship. Are you with me? When you understand this is a governmental assembly, when you understand that this is an outpost of the kingdom of God, when you bring your tithe in, you know that you're tapping into the economy of heaven. Are you with me? 
and all of you. And that's why it says, if you do, I'll open up the windows of heaven and pour such a blessing upon your life, you won't have enough room to store. It's a rebuke to devour for your sake. Your vine will not cast its fruit. It gives you the promises there. Where does it come from? It comes from that economy. Are you with me? When you send to the place, you send with the cargo. You send to the provision, but you must apply the principles that are attached to that governmental system. Otherwise, you'll never get it. When you sow, you will reap. Come on. When you sow, you will reap. That's how it works in this kingdom. It says, press down, shake it together, and running over. A simple principle of seed time and harvest in this kingdom produces a harvest that you cannot even fathom or imagine. Are you with me? So when we give our tithes this morning, when we bring our offering this morning, it's not just a little something, oh, we want to do something for the church. No, 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 no. I'm attaching myself to the kingdom. Are you with me? It's a manifestation of my belief and my faith in this system and in this economy to provide for me. Because an ambassador never provides for themselves. But if they violate the laws, then they disconnect from the place they govern by. Are you with me? When I apply the principles, I walk in the fullness of what that government has for me. So as you bring your tithe into the stores and as you bring your offering, your seed this morning, your expectation levels right now should be shooting through the roof for what God is going to do for you. Because He's not a man that He should lie, nor the Son of Man that He should repent. Whatever He said, He's going to do it and He's going to make it good in Jesus' mighty name. Take your seed in your offering in your hand. Father, we thank You that we can give this morning. We thank You that we can participate in the economy of the kingdom of God. And I thank You, Father God, as people bring their tithes and their offerings into this ecclesia today, Father God, that the government of the kingdom of God is moving on their behalf to provide for them everything that they need and beyond in Jesus' name. We all agree and say, Amen and Amen.
please stand this morning. I just want to say this. In the next season, the command was to go. There's two strategies with advancement, evangelism and influence. You can't throw out the one. Can't say evangelism is no longer needed. No, it's needed. Amen. In this next season, we're going to be going out to reaching our community. We're going to be evangelizing. The purpose of this embassy is so that when you get saved, you must have a place to come to, to be raised under an apostolic anointing, to be an ambassador for Christ, so that we can send you, and then you can go and evangelize and influence. Are you with me? So I want to give you the opportunity right now. Put the WhatsApp number there online there. There's the info desk afterwards. If you want to get involved in evangelism in the next season, if you want to go and be a part of what we're going to do in the communities, we want to reach out to people. Hear me? People need the gospel. Are you with me? People need to get saved. Are you with me? They need to come into the kingdom because people are dealing with stuff that they never in their own right are going to be able to deal with because that system is wicked. They need the kingdom. We're the carriers of that gospel. We're the carriers of that message. Are you with me? If that's you, just send a WhatsApp to that line and say evangelism in your name and we're going to get into contact with you. We're going to pull the team together and we're going to go out and do what God has called us to do. Amen. There are thousands of people just in our immediate environment and they all need Jesus and they all need the kingdom. And we can start by evangelizing as God is raising us up to be ambassadors so we can go and represent him well in the territories and the spheres that he's assigned to us. Amen. Amen. Let's go in the blessing. Father, I bless your people today. I thank you, Father God, that as the word has been sown, it's going to produce 30, it's, not, it's going to produce a hundredfold in their lives. I thank you, Father God, that this word now is propelling us, oh God, to be all that you've called us to be. We receive the responsibility, Father God, to be carriers of this revelation to the next generation. And we make a fresh commitment to go, Father God, to do what you've called us to do. Now, I thank you that the grace that is on this house comes upon this people, Father. That wherever they go, wherever the soles of their feet will tread according to the terrain, the territory, and the domain that you've assigned to them, Father. Every knee will bow, every tongue will confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. They will come under the ideology of the kingdom. And wherever we go, we'll experience success and breakthrough and healing and deliverance and favor in Jesus mighty name we all agree and say amen and amen God bless you Apostle Max is back next week amen in service with a word for you amen God bless you have an awesome week